Hey family, thank you for following and trusting the path that led you here. This is Flow Space, Conscious Conversations with J&D. I'm Jerrica. And I'm Deandra. Our discussions will be led by intuition and spirit as we continue to evolve and learn about what it means to live an earthly human experience. Today, we have medical intuitive Katie Beecher joining us. Katie shares with us what is a medical intuitive, how to be your own intuitive guide, boundaries and how to implement them in practical ways, and shares personal experiences to ground in several of these concepts and so much more. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. I'm Deandra. I'm Jerrica. So welcome to Flow Space, Katie. Um, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, where do I start? Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor and medical and spiritual intuitive. And I've been doing this work in some form or another for over 30 years. I mostly do, um, I mean, it is a mix of counseling and medical and spiritual intuition. Um, but I pretty much, you know, call myself a medical intuitive at this point. And um, okay. and um, I work very differently. I create a four-page extensive report um, and intuitive soul painting, just knowing someone's name and age. And I fill that out before seeing a picture or talking to them or anything else. And then I send that to them. Um, and it talks about their whole life. So it's very, like, root cause-based um physical emotional and spiritual stuff that people are going through like it's issues but it's also strengths and then um I send it to them we have an hour meeting and we look at all the information um you know talk about like what things are going well in their life what aren't do a lot of problem solving um i cannot legally or ethically diagnose and I think that's really important for people to know because there are people who do this work who try and do that. And so I'll be able to like identify symptoms or say this feels like this or something like that and then refer them to medical professionals who can you know, take it the rest of the way. Um, but that's the little quickie version. Um, I have a book that's called Heal From Within, a, a guidebook to intuitive wellness. And I work with people all over the world. I've been in lots of different publications and things. And um, so we can start from there. All right, great. And I would love to know, how did your journey begin as a medical intuitive and everything else that you do? Sure. So um, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, like so many other people. And I was also bullied um, when I was 10 because I went through puberty earlier than the other girls. And I developed a pretty severe eating disorder bulimia, um, you know, a lot of like diet culture stuff and extensive dieting it started off with and then bulimia. And I got to a point where I was throwing up three times a day when I was 16 and decided that my quality of life was pretty bad and I felt horrible about myself. Um, and I was ready to take my own life. I had a plan. But one day I came home from school and I'm not it has to be divine intervention because I'm not really sure what else would have done it. But I called our pediatrician, our family pediatrician, and told them what I was doing. 
and asked for help. Um, it took me about a month to go to the therapist that he recommended, but she was Jungian, so Jungian psychology. And she taught me how to not only connect to my intuition um, and find my true self, but also how to learn more about the you know, psychic and intuitive abilities I'd had all my life and accept them and figure out that they were strengths and nothing to be afraid of. And because I had been talking to dead people and getting information about people since, you know, for as long as I can remember and just didn't know what to do with it. So um, that was really the start was my own healing. And then I knew at that point that I would, you know, write books and help be able to help more people, um, you know, became a therapist first and then eventually started doing this work. Wow, so beautiful how something that can appear, you know, so daunting to move through has led you to where you are today. Um, it's night and day. It's so empowering to hear that piece of your story to arrive to where you are, because um, it shows, you know, the the purpose behind certain things that can be adverse in our human experience, but how, how deeply they serve us. I totally agree with you. And, and I look back on all that. And I'm very, very thankful. Like it sounds cliche and a lot of people say that, but seriously, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because if I had not developed the eating disorder and been in so much pain, then I would have just kept feeling bad about myself and kept trying to please everybody else, you know, and not be myself and, um, and just go down some path that wouldn't have been right for me. So it really... I always tell people, especially empaths, like you might have trouble with other people being in pain. You might feel like you need to fix people or change their life, but there's a lot of ways to care. And sometimes allowing people to be in pain is the best gift you can give them. Yeah. And I know that you mentioned the uh, divine intervention being a possibility in that like kind of catalyst of your life, getting the help. Can you uh, describe a little bit more, maybe for somebody who's listening, who might be going through something, like how can they be open to receiving that change or like that divine guidance, like following those nudges maybe? Yeah, it's, it's really hard. Um, I had been doing it for a long time. I'd been, you know, eating disordered for a very long time and depressed and I hit it pretty well. Um, I hadn't told anybody you know, somebody like people do see you throwing up sometimes. You can't really escape it, like at a party or something. Um, and I was starting to leave school at that point, you know, like skip classes to go throw up. So it was getting a bit much. Um, but I just kept denying that there was a problem to anyone who asked me. And so and I think um, I found out later, like my brothers could hear me throwing up, but I don't know if they didn't say anything or my parents didn't care who the I don't know. Um, but a lot of people did try to say something and I just kept denying it and I was not ready. Um, I had to get to the point where I was ready to end my life before I was like, felt comfortable even asking for help or, or feeling like I could risk being seen as something, someone with a problem or someone who is damaged. So, and then when I finally, you know, did tell my therapist, it was just she was very open and accepting and loving and I thought I was the biggest freak that you know no one else was doing this and 
um, you just you think you're alone. You know, you think you're the only one and you're not. Um, we all have different pain and we all have different things that we feel ashamed of. So what I suggest to people to start with is to treat yourself with compassion, to know that there's nothing wrong with you and that you're in pain and that there are reasons why, you know, you're feeling the way you are and that you're doing things that maybe you're ashamed of. Um, and to tell like one person, just start with one person that you feel accepts you or cares about you. And it's really baby steps, you know, um, admitting it to yourself is certainly, I had to admit that I, you know, was screwed up, um, for sure. But just telling one person was like, it really catapulted my recovery and me realizing how unhappy I was and, um, you know, reaching out to more and more people and finding out that I wasn't alone. So, um, like leaning on community support and other kinds of forms of support without having to put all of the pressure, like on the self to go through everything alone. Absolutely. You know, I, I could not, I tried a million times as we all try when we have problems. I tried to stop myself. You know, I tried, I thought that if I could only lose weight, I wouldn't need to do it. Cause I was like 20 pounds overweight. I wasn't a skinny believer. Um, you know, I tried everything I knew how myself, but it wasn't working. And it wasn't cause I wasn't a weak person. Cause obviously to ask for help, you have to be strong, but it was just bigger than me. You know, it, it was not, it was bigger than me and it's okay that we need people. You know, we need to ask for help. Sometimes we don't ask the right people. And what I mean by that is we may try and talk to people who aren't there for us, you know, who are unavailable, um, who have their own issues, who, you know, me trying to talk to my parents about it, um, I eventually told them, but they didn't offer to come to therapy, you know, and it was a family systemic problem. Um, they, you know, they said, oh, well, we'll pay for half of it. It was $30 at the time. It was, you know, a long time ago. And um, I had a job and a car and I got myself there just fine for several months before I told them, you know, so I really need their help. But it was like, oh, we'll pay for half of it. So you'll be more invested in recovering. I'm like, seriously? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, Jesus, looking back. Um, but yeah, find people who care, you know, who are really there for you. And and don't expect others who who can't to be there and it's not your fault you know it has nothing to do with you it's it's about their own crap yeah and that kind of brings up for me like what I receive from that is also like speaking your needs from like the honest space to those who are around you and you know obviously it's up to them if they can provide what you're looking for or not but at least like giving the opportunity to express what it is that you need in that moment yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And also knowing that ultimately it really is up to you. So no matter what your background is or what's happened to you or what parents or friends or family or whatever are doing, it really is up to me. You know, it was up to me and and trying to blame other people or whatever. Like you can link a whole mess of stuff to it like it's not rocket science. But ultimately, I'm the one who had to believe in myself and do the work and no one could do that for me. Yeah, 
And that's so powerful. Like it's very empowering to have that um, knowledge inside of your head that you are in control of your life. And while the support may feel good and it could be needed in moments, ultimately you're able to carry yourself through and it's up to you. Like if you want it enough to make the changes. Exactly. You know, exactly. So the accountability. I'm sorry. The accountability within the self. Mm. Yeah. Taking personal responsibility, accountability, all that. Yeah. It's really important. It's so beautiful to see, you know, to share. Um, what were the beginning stages to arrive to where you are now as a me- as a medical intuitive? Like, what were your first steps into, like, honing in to your truth and living it out? Um, yeah, like I said, I've always been able to talk to dead people, do, you know, have know weird things about people, um, all that kind of stuff since I was a little kid. And... Um, it was really scary at first because I would pick up on a lot of negative evil energy. And I didn't realize until therapy that good and evil does exist. And that if you're a loving being that the way that evil, I don't want to give it power, but kind of the way that evil energy works is through fear and through making you, you know, you feel like you're worthless and, and not capable of things. So I recognized that I couldn't, I didn't have to be afraid of that negativity I was picking up, that love is always more powerful. So learning that gave me the courage to then start exploring my gifts and things. And um, when I became a therapist, I always worked really intuitively. So while I did use instincts and knowledge, the sessions always went better if I just like in my head said, okay, you know, guides, whatever, let me know what I need to help this person. Let me know what I need to say and do. And so I always recognize that. And then I'm not sure when it was, I don't exactly remember, but I was talking to another, to a client who had an eating disorder and I was teaching her my favorite way to connect to intuition. Um, And she wasn't really grasping it. So like a lot of people don't really know what that's like, you know. Um, And so I said, well, let's pretend that you're talking to somebody that you feel love and accepted by. And that happened to be her grandmother in spirit. And so we kind of did a role play. And all of a sudden I was channeling her grandmother. And I knew things that only her grandmother knew. And I, I saw this scene inside of her grandmother's attic where she used to play all the time. And I knew the, to- the dolls and stuff that she played with. And it was freaky and really comfortable at the same time. Um, but I realized at that point that it's not going away and you better start to actively use this, you know, and, and open up to it. And then um, I started going to a spiritualist church. Do you know, have you heard of spiritual spiritualist churches before? Yes. Yeah. So for people who have not, um, they're very, very cool. And the main premise is to treat others the, the way you want to be treated. Um, they believe that we can talk to people who have passed and that we are all connected. And during the services, there's actually medium readings and mediumship readings and um, like hands on healing and stuff. So I started to get more and more people learn, started to meet, start again, more and more people. Um, who, you know, had these abilities and learned from them and and took classes from them and did mediumship circles. And 
started um, gaining more and more skills as I practiced. And um, then my mom got really, really sick. And that's a whole other story. But it really changed my life. And it, like she ended up dying um, from the illness, but it made me look at my life and think like, what I'm doing now is not quite enough and I want to explore deeper. So um, I found a book on medical intuition, not really knowing what it is, but I'd always been interested in medicine and um, took a three-day class and learned that I had all these abilities I didn't even didn't even know about. So um, that's the, the short version. Long short version. <laughs> Do you believe um, or feel that anybody is able to connect to their intuition in that sense, where they can um, be like their own medical intuitive? Hundred percent, and that's a lot of why I wrote my book, is that I wanted to teach people what I had learned and the techniques that I teach in my readings, and we all have intuition. We all use medical intuition all the time. You know, if, if you, let's say, you know, you fall and, and hurt yourself or whatever, um, you have to tune into your body. You have to decide, is this bad enough that I need to go to a doctor, um, you know, or can I just ice it? And, you know, so you're making those decisions and you're really tuning into your own body. And people might think like it's experience and there's certainly some experience with it. But, you know, every time you have a stomach ache, it's like, OK, what's this about? Um, do I need to lie down? Do I need to eat some crackers? You know, is it something I just ate that could be giving me these? So you're, you're constantly doing it. You just don't really realize it. And um, even parents, like you always have to figure out what is, why is your kid crying? You know, if they're pulling at their ear, I mean, that's not rocket science either, but you know, if they have an ear infection, you usually know before a doctor does. And so it's like, all right, do I need to take them? Do I need to kind of, you know, what do you need to do? So I think that we use it all the time without even realizing it. Yeah, I love that you point out, um, like, if you have a stomach ache, okay, what do I need? Do I need to lay down? Because that's absolutely using intuition. You're connecting to the body and kind of feeling into what's most needed in that moment for yourself. Totally. Yeah. And even, um, even intuitive eating is really just, like, allowing your body to tell you, what it likes, what it needs, you know, are these, are there nutrients or, or brain chemicals I need or whatever, you know, instead of it's always food is good or bad, or I'm going to gain weight or lose weight or whatever the thing is. And there's like, you totally override your intuition when you do that yeah. and you don't trust your body. Yeah. How can someone anchor that philosophy more into their life in a conscious way to live an intuitive life? Um, I love that question. I just wrote an article for Cora Organics about that, um, Miranda Kerr's thing. And what I recommended is that it become part of your lifestyle. Um, so, and it's like self-care was included in that too, but that as you go through your life, try to be tuned in um, and as grounded as you can be and as present as you can be so that you're open to listening to your body and to spirit and to yourself. And as you're doing that, you get signals about, I mean, it could be anything. It could be 
eating, it could be um, shopping, it could be rela relationships are a biggie, right? You know, how does this relationship feel? Um, can I be myself around this person? Um, do I feel like I have to walk on eggshells? Can I open up and talk to them? Or am I just giving, giving, giving and not getting enough back? Or So it's trying to be as open as possible, which is really scary because when you do that, you're letting go of control. Um, in reality, you're actually gaining more control of your life when you do that, but it feels like you're letting go of control. And then, you know, you could be afraid to get let down. Maybe you've tried to trust your intuition before and it was a little too late. So things didn't go well. Um, or you have mistaken belief that you can't trust it, you know, but, um, but being as open as you can, um, if you get physical or emotional symptoms, um, check in, be like, okay, what is going on with that? Like I teach a writing technique in my book and stuff, um, which helped save my life. But instead of being afraid when you are uncomfortable physically or emotionally, actually check in with those feelings and those symptoms and be like, okay, you know, why are you here? Is there something you'd like me to know? Um, how can I help you heal instead of pushing it down? And then it just, it just gets worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can speak from personal experience because I had my reading with you and you definitely um, gave me that guidance to check in with the self and use the, the physical symptoms um, as a tool, as opposed to being like my enemy, which is what I was doing. I was getting so frustrated with my physical symptoms, just wanting them to go away. Of course. And it's, it's really reassuring and allowing myself to be gentle and compassionate with what I am experiencing and leaning into that, like, okay, body, like, what are you trying to ask? Or what are you showing me is needed? Like, what is this surfacing for? It really changes the mindset, like, totally. So as opposed to being in this victim mindset of like, oh, why am I feeling this? Like, I don't want to feel this anymore. Exactly. It's allowing myself to be empowered and utilize what I'm experiencing for the best in that moment. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the things that I present to people during readings are different than they're used to living their lives. Mm -hmm. And, and that can be scary. Um, but you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely am. <laughs> um, and it's baby steps, you know, it's not like everything at once. And, um, but yeah, it's, I think, I think change is scary, but we all want it. Yeah. yeah. And it's leaning into that scared emotions or like that nervousness or whatever that surfaces like that underlining fear that really is the greatest catalyst because once you lean into it and you deal with it there's nothing else that's going to be like more scary you know like you're now in control oh my god it's so true like people always ask me what was the hardest part of healing and stuff and um the hardest part of healing from the eating disorder was like learning to love and accept myself it wasn't giving up the behavior. It was like making that change to like listen to my intuition and trust it and listen to me and say and do the things that I needed to do um, rather than keep hiding. 
Yeah, there's so much power in that, you know, releasing the shame um, and the guilt of the self to really like reverse that into an empowered stance from a space of self-love, which is so powerful, Um, which brings me to the question of um, medical gaslighting and how someone can be um, feeling intuitively that there is something there, but the medical field may not be supporting um, what one is feeling within themselves, and like how someone can navigate that space. Oh, yeah. And, you, and, you know, you guys are nodding your heads because I know that, it, you know, it happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it certainly happened to me. Um, it's It's very frustrating when you know there's something wrong you know, you can, you can feel it. And you go to someone who is supposed to be able to help you, who's supposed to have superior knowledge to you, and who you get your hopes up when you think, I'm going to talk to this person, I'm going to feel better. And then you go to the appointment. And sometimes they look at you like you have three heads. Or like, well, what do you know, you're not a doctor, or, you know, I've actually had somebody say to me, well, um, I see you use Dr. Google. And I was like, really? Really, dude? Like, that was uncalled for. Um, and just saying, you know, um, you shouldn't have those symptoms. Or one of my favorites is those aren't side effects to the medicine you're taking. I'm like, well, yeah, they actually are. Like, have you done any research at all? Um, you know, and then they do tests mostly because that's all they have in their wheelhouse. Um, and if the test numbers aren't blatantly, you know, low or high or wherever they're supposed to be, then you are normal. Well, well, no, because first of all, we're all different. Um, and normal isn't optimal and all of, you know, all of these things. And, Instead of being willing to look outside the box or to go deeper or try to find the root cause instead of wanting to hand you a psych med for something wrong with your body, um, it's just I'm handing you this, you know, this prescription, go away and be happy. Well, no. So it's important to know that medical professionals work for you and you can fire them and that you are going to meet people who are not aligned with you. Um, It's a little tougher in states where naturopaths and stuff are not licensed. I was lucky I lived up in, you know, New England where where naturopaths and other people were licensed, so I had more access. And um, in most states, they're not because the AMI fights against, you know, alternative practitioners being licensed. But um, even someone like um, an osteopath or a chiropractor or, you know, someone like that who's more open to looking at things from a different point of view. Um, I think it's important to seek those people out with telemedicine now. Um, you can find people online who have more of an um, alternative approach, you know, who can make suggestions not only about root causes, but other types of, of treatments that you can do. And But it's really important to believe in yourself and and stick to your guns. And um, even things like I I, uh, detect, is a good word, a lot of hypermobility and 
and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And um, that's something some doctors don't even recognize as being real because it's supposedly rare, but it's this weird conglomeration of symptoms that can go on for years and don't seem to relate to each other. And then people are like, oh my God, you know, it's been five years, it's been 10 years, like this finally all makes sense. And they go to a practitioner and they finally get it confirmed. And they're like, no one told me this, you know, Lyme's a good one for that too. Um, but the thing that you have to be careful of, in my opinion, is it's very easy to get focused on illness and focused on feeling bad and focused on having to find the answer. Like that's reality, but it can also be really draining and exhausting and can take away from the other areas of your life. And it can be hard to find that balance, you know, um, because there's been times when I've thought if I didn't totally focus on this symptom or this issue, then that meant I was ignoring it and it was never going to get resolved. So finding that balance of knowing that you are not your symptom, you're not your illness, you're still a person. So you need to live your life and have, you know, do things that make you happy um, as well as getting, you know, the best help that you can get. So mm -hmm. I think that's, unfortunately, medical gaslighting really perpetuates that kind of health anxiety, you know, um, and that's really unfortunate, but stick to your guns and trust your intuition. And, and, you know, I, I work with a lot of people who are like, I don't know what's wrong. No one's told me. Um, so that's really an important part of what I do. Like, I feel really good about that. Um, but there's other people too, you know, who can help. Yeah, and I really appreciate you saying all that you just said because it's such a great reminder to to hear again because um, from the personal experience of knowing, intuitively knowing that there was something up with my body yep. and then going to so many different doctors and just being told like, oh, your tests are normal, everything is fine. But I'm like, no, it's not. I know that there's something up. And then getting caught in that, like I need to find what is up with my body and like falling off of balance but it's like no like I can still honor my body and know that something's going on and not just give in to like okay yeah I'm normal like because the doctor said so um it's really important to know like that there is balance to be found in that experience because you do not need to hyper focus on everything you're experiencing you can be aware and present with the feelings and continue living life your life like my life stopped you know from Absolutely. everything I was experiencing I put life on hold and I was like, nope, I'm, I'm sick. I'm this, I'm that. And that's feeding into those symptoms. So it's like, that's so unnecessary because, and I'm not um, belittling or like ignoring any physical symptoms because I truly know they're real, you know, like I hundred percent know they're real, but yep. it's not letting those uh, feelings and those symptoms control you. It's you again, being in control. And also, and I've, it's happened so many times and it's happened to me that those symptoms and and things while you did not cause them um they do give us messages like you know for me it's a lot of it's like okay you need to you're you're kind of neglecting your own spiritual stuff time to tune back in or you know you need to take a rest or you're um you know 
your your vegetable consumption is a little down. We we need to you know do something about that and you know mm-hmm. like that. So there's always little things and those symptoms if you can listen and catch them before they get to be huge, um, they can really be great teachers. Um, and the trick is to you know listen when they, before they start and just do what you need to do. But we're human beings, so. Yeah, and I would love for you to go into a little more of how um, the spiritual and energetics can impact our health and our wellness, like in our physical body. Yeah. Um, that's why I do my readings the way that I do, where I look at the physical, emotional, and spiritual, as you know, since you've had a reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and our actions, our feelings, our emotions are often expressed in physical and emotional symptoms. Because a lot of us grew up with people who didn't express feelings or who didn't recognize us or who didn't allow us to be ourselves and and didn't really want to hear anything that we were saying. So you learn to just shut up and you learn to push down your feelings and you learn to act and think and do what other people want you to do because that's your survival mechanism. Right. So. Just allowing yourself to have feelings, and that also can include physical feelings, can be really scary and a big change. Um, But if we don't, if we just keep pushing things down, our bodies react in many, many different ways. Um, It's one really, really simple example, and I'm not simplifying this, is just with stress, we produce a lot of cortisol. And then that cortisol changes how we metabolize things and it changes our immune system and it just, you know, zillions and zillions and zillions of side effects just from cortisol, right? That are real. We're not like making this up. Um, So when we kind of like push down um, physical symptoms or emotional symptoms, they don't just go into the ether. They, our bodies have to do something with them. And um, there's a book that I really like about the body keeps the score about how like trauma, and I write about this in mind too, how trauma gets stored in the body because especially if you're young, you don't have the words to express what's happening to you. You know, you can't like beat the person up. You can't like protect yourself. You feel very hopeless. And even as you're healing, just saying the words to get it out of you, like there's there's something to be said for that, but it was a whole body experience. And if you experience it with your whole body, then your body has memory and your emotions have memory and things change at a cellular level. So it makes total sense that we need to address things from a whole person perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're more than just the physical body. So, of course, it makes sense that things live on the different aspects of our body, the emotional and the spiritual as well. Yeah, definitely. And and I also work with a lot of people who they come to me for one thing and migraines or something. And then my guides reveal that, oh, well, you know, the relationship you're in is really not making me happy. Um, you know, it's really unhealthy or you can't be yourself or you really hate your job. 
or any number of things, or you have this dysfunctional family that you're still in contact with that is not treating you well, or, you know, umpteen number of things. Um, but they don't often make that connection between their physical symptoms and the things that are making them unhappy in their lives or ways that they're not connecting to spirit. You know, I, I think our main purpose on in life is to be our true selves and to connect with spirit and spirit shows us how to be our true selves. You know, that's the, the thing. Um, so if you're not doing that, spirit and your intuition and yourself is going to be like, um, we're, we, we need to get your attention here. Hi. Um, you know, so, and people will say, well, when I feel better, I'll leave. Or when I feel better, I'll get a new job. Or um, when I lose weight, I'll put on a bathing suit or go to the gym or, you know, these conditional things. And it's like, no, it's, you need to do it in the reverse order. You know, you need to like start making the changes now and feel good about yourself now. Um, and then the other stuff will work itself out much more easily. Yeah, absolutely. It brings again mind to mind the accountability and like taking the ownership of your life. Like there's no reason to wait until something to do something. It's like now's the time if you feel called and you start making those changes slowly. And then, like you said, everything else will seamlessly fall into place. Exactly. It speaks to like the inside job and how our relationship with ourselves is the catalyst to have the to have what we desire reflect to us in our outer experience. Um, so it's yeah. very empowering and it's 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 such a great way to simplify something that can appear complex as to like, you know, why are these outside things occurring or these misalignments present um, when it all really is living within before it's manifested in the outside. And having that approach makes everything that we desire more sustainable instead of maybe having like a short fix um, to get what we perceive as our end goal, but it's not sustainable because we haven't addressed the root of it. It's true. Um, I love the word you use, which is, you know, misalignment. If, if you are listening to intuition all the time, you know, living in that space, and you can feel when things are off. You can feel something to make you happy. You know, you can feel if you're anxious or whatever, and and misalignment with the with yourself and with your purpose is like a great way to describe it. Yeah. Do you have any tips for somebody um, how they can start to become aware to the misalignments that might be present in their life, causing some kind of either physical, emotional, or you know any kind of symptom? Yeah. Again, I, I think it gets down to allowing yourself to feel which is not something that we are all comfortable with, um, especially if the emotion or physical symptom is painful. So, and I'm not talking about like actual physical pain, although sometimes, but it's more being willing to sit in an uncomfortable place and being with that emotion of shame, of anxiety, of depression, of whatever, and and actually listening to it and asking yourself, is there a reason in my life that I should feel this way? Like, um, one example, we, we moved and I started to feel really, really, really depressed, like I hadn't felt in years. 
And so I said, what is this about? There's no reason that I could possibly think of for being depressed right now. And so I, and just allowing myself to feel that helped me open up looking at possibilities. So I thought about it and thought about it and I realized, you know, there's a supplement I changed. I had changed my probiotic and I said, okay, never heard of a probiotic causing depression before, but I'm going to go with my intuition. And I stopped it and I stopped feeling depressed. And then I learned that certain strains of probiotics are um, histamine producing and that histamine can cause depression. So because I listened, you know, I didn't go into like, oh my God, I have to take tons of medicine or my life is over. It was like, I actually figured out what the problem was and was open to it and then learned additional stuff. So I think, you know, really the first step is allowing yourself to be uncomfortable, um, to feel imperfect, you know, to feel like I'm going to be myself and I don't have to pretend that everything's okay um, to myself or others. It's a great word that just come to mind, came to mind is acceptance. So accepting where you're at and then asking yourself what it's about. And sometimes it can be about picking up feelings from other people. You know, maybe those feelings aren't yours and Mm -hmm. you're picking them up from the rest of the world, the person you stood next to at the grocery store or whatever. But the more you like allow it, the more open you are to solutions. Um, And it's not going to be the same every time. So we kind of have to check in a lot. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. Um, It really um, highlights the importance of feeling those emotions as opposed to trying to like brush them to uh, to the side or downplaying what you're experiencing or like all of the different um, things the mind can come up with when you are experiencing things. And it's not attaching to those storylines, just allowing yourself to be with the emotion in the moment. But also what comes to mind is like, the reminder of not getting consumed. I was just thinking that you just read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. It's super important to remember that, like we said previously, it's um, you are not that symptom, you know. So not going down that rabbit hole or that road. Oh my God, it's so true. Yeah, because you can like get so caught up in feeling anxious all the time or depressed yeah. all the time, and then it creates more anxiety. And yeah, so it's kind of like giving it its proper attention without letting it take over and um yeah and there and there's definitely a balance there for sure yeah Yeah. and (laughs) it's like also setting that energetic boundary like within the self um and it's something that I wanted to ask you about with setting boundaries and the importance of it oh my god um yeah not not (laughs) it's it's up there for sure um one thing I think is important to remember is that we set boundaries first and foremost for ourselves. So it's so we feel taken care of, that we feel honored, that we don't let other people treat us badly. Um, And in order to set a boundary, you need to recognize what's making you unhappy. And you need to recognize that you're not going to change other people. Um, Setting boundaries is for you. So you're going to alter your behavior. 
And it's not going to be dependent on what that other person does or doesn't do. It's just, this is where I'm at. You do you, you know? Um, so it's kind of giving up that notion that we can control other people. And also in order to set boundaries, you need to get to know yourself to start to get to know yourself, meaning what's important to you? What do you need? How do you feel? Um, and it's not being narcissistic or selfish. It's just tuning in. Um, and the other thing or another thing is respecting other people's boundaries. So when you don't set boundaries, you are also violating other people's boundaries. It's like allowing other people to have their time to themselves or to express themselves or to be safe or to whatever. So a lot of the time when people talk about boundaries, it's from a, um, a self perspective of setting them to kind of protect, protect's not a great word, but protect yourself from how, you know, what other people are doing or feeling, whatever. Um, but I think it's really important to respect other people's boundaries. So because the alternative is controlling them, trying to control them and fix them, you know, um, but and it's a process and, and there's going to be people who do not honor your boundaries. Lots of people like that. And then you have to decide, how am I going to respond to that? You know, can I continue to be in this relationship or do I need to switch jobs if it's a work situation or, you know, things like that. But that's part of being true to yourself. And um, and there's also setting boundaries is scary because you may start to say no to things that you were willing to do. You know, you may start to um, tell people the truth or say, I can't talk to you right now or no, you can't come over, you know, and there are people who are not going to respond to that well. <laughs> so um, it means maybe changing, altering whatever um, relationships you may have had for a long time. Um, but but those relationships are making you miserable. So like, yeah, you know, yeah. if you don't set boundaries, it's never going to change. Such a Such light a bulb went off inside of me hearing you speak about the boundaries in relation to people um, like family members and how I feel that can be really challenging to set boundaries with family members because um, at least within my own dynamic, it can appear as like um, overextending is very natural. Um, mm. And so the expectations are always present and then um, it can arrive, it can lead to like, like a blaming, yeah. like, oh, why? Guilting. Yeah. And it's like, yes. so it's, it can be challenging. And I, what I really was receiving from what you were saying was how not honoring other people's boundaries is not honoring ourselves. And I really, like, it, it put a, an example in my mind of how, um, like, tangible that is within my family dynamics and how it shows up very um, regularly. Mm. Um, so it's very powerful because um, I can see how that can play out and how pivotal um, the boundary setting is to really um, maintain and call forward the life that we want and to have a healthy um, relationship with ourselves first and foremost that allows others to then meet us there um, right. the more that we integrate and practice um, our boundaries. 
Yo, big time. And I work with um, a lot of people who maybe they are, you know, second or third generation. And culturally, in their family system, um, boundaries aren't a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? There's no, like, calling before you come over or why aren't you taking me here? Or why aren't you giving up your life to take care of me? Or you're a bad person if you're not doing what I want. Or, you know, so there's a lot of like cultural pressures and different, depending on like, in, we all have them depending on, you know, how you grew up or your religious beliefs or, you know, whatever, what country you came from, whatever. Um, but a lot of younger people are like, I don't want to live my life that way anymore. And it's really challenging because I'm getting guilted or I'm getting told that I'm a bad person or that, you know, I don't love them or whatever. And, and they're trying to break that cycle. Um, and you know, it's, it's really, it's really hard for those like, you know, centuries old beliefs kind of. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's been so rewarding to see um, the more I stick to my own boundaries, it allows others to eventually acclimate and meet me where I am. And that only is able to be possible from having like stuck true to myself. So it's just so powerful. Oh, no, I like to call that, you know, you being a spiritual teacher, but by just you being true to yourself. You know, <laughs> the, the paintings that I create, the watercolor paintings, like that comes through a lot, depending on what color, like. Um, yellow is about being a spiritual teacher and magenta is about being your true self. And those are often combined together in the paintings um, because just by being you, you are spiritually teaching other people what they need to do and how they need to live. Yeah. I always love that because it's like, as opposed to saying like, okay, I am this teacher. I'm going to teach you this, this, and this. You're leading by example. You're living the life. And then people are more receptive to that because when you're standing in your authentic self and doing honoring the self, there's like this um, glow about you and that's attractive to people. Then they're like, okay, what's going on? Like the curiosity sparks. And that's like the rippling effect I always see. Oh, and there's other people in the family who don't have the courage maybe to set those boundaries. And then they see you setting them and it's like, oh, maybe I can do this too, you know? that that's going to be my role model and maybe you get together and set boundaries or you, you know, learn to support each other. But, um, and then you also teach your kids that you don't have to act a certain way or believe certain things if that's not how you feel. And, and you can still be loving when you do it. Like it doesn't mean you don't love people. It just means that you're recognizing what you need and, and taking care of yourself. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, breaking all of those, um, like, generational chains and things like that. Like, you're making the change you want to see. But I do have a question in terms of how it kind of comes back to the self. But when you do stand in your authenticity and you're making these changes and setting your own boundaries, how can um, you ensure that you're acting from that space of love as opposed to doing something, like, out of selfishness? Hmm. Well, you're saying selfish like it's a bad word. (laughs) You know, um, sometimes we just do need to do what other people might consider selfish. And that's okay. You know, we just, we need to take care of ourselves, think of ourselves. Um, I see that in a lot of people who get sick, who didn't give themselves permission to take care of themselves. Or they're like, okay, I'm sick now. I have an excuse to say no. Instead of just being like, 
I could have said no all along. I just didn't think I could, you know. So um, a lot of it is about taking that personal responsibility. Um, and um, and I absolutely, I went into another tangent. I totally forgot what your original question was. Um, about the selfishness, like uh, uh, when setting the boundaries. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, my guides take over sometimes and <laughs> they control my mind. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think, again, it's about like checking in with yourself. And if you are taking care of you and doing what you need to do, um, that does not mean that you're ignoring other people. You know, like we live with other people around. Um, you can care about your family or care about friends and still take care of you. And it's kind of like um, no one wants to just totally take care of themselves anyway, not have relationships with other people, you know. So I think it's about acceptance and listening to yourself and also listening to the feedback of others. You know, if people are saying like, dude, you're acting kind of like obnoxious or whatever. Maybe they're, maybe that's true. It might not be, but maybe it is. And being like, okay, maybe I need to consider that and see how my behavior might be affecting somebody else, you know? Um, and I think that's a good thing to do. Like often I don't really, like, I don't always know there's something bothering me, but my husband always knows. And so he'll be like, okay, you know, what's going on? I'm like, Nothing. I don't know. I was fine. And then I sit with myself for a few minutes, like, fine. <laughs> okay. There's something bugging me and I need to, you know, address it. Or I'm, you know, not being as nice to him as I could because I'm preoccupied with <laughs> else or whatever, you know? So it's kind of like being willing to be open and listen um, to others as well, but keep checking in with, with you. Um, and I, I think it's also listening to your gut, literally listening to your gut, like, that's where I feel emotion before I feel emotion sometimes. Um, or you, some people might be a headache or it might be a jaw or you know, whatever your thing is, but kind of being like, all right, that's my little signal for when something's off and, and check in with that and kind of see. Yeah, I really like the reminder of the checking in because when you were giving the examples um, of like somebody else saying like, oh, what's going on with you? what came to mind was other people's projections and where they're at with their own self. And sure. then, so it's like making sure that there's that balance. And again, that boundary that you're not. Yeah. So it's all like all coinciding. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, when I started to change how I dealt with my very dysfunctional family, um, I was called horrible names. You know, you're, you're crazy. You're selfish. You're treating other people badly. You're whatever. And it's like, First of all, go judge yourselves. Thanks, because you got enough issues for you to take up like years that you can handle. Um, but it's like, why? Because I finally started standing up for myself and not taking your crap anymore. That's a compliment. Thank you. I'll take it. You know. Yeah. And how has um, these boundaries that you've been implementing into your life, especially with your family, how have they impacted your everyday life? Oh my God, huge. Um, there, I don't have contact with anyone in my extended family. Um, it's my husband and my daughters and their, um, their husbands who are amazing. And that's been a long time coming. Um, I care far less about what other people think. And I care about others in a loving way instead of feeling judged. 
So it's very freeing to be like, I'm not buying into that anymore. Um, I don't, there was a lot of kind of going to things out of obligation and then like realizing when you're there that it's fake. There was just so many fake interactions. Um, and, and that's not good for anybody. Um, I remember being really little, like really, really little and being at my grandmother's house. And I swear to God, like whenever somebody would leave and there was like seven brothers and sisters, whenever someone would leave, the people left at the house would start talking behind their back. And, you know, even when I was a little kid, I'm like, what the hell? This isn't what family does. I was, you know, with what I do and what I felt like super observant, but I was just like, this isn't right. I don't want this to be my family. I don't want. So it really allows you to set up the kind of family that you want and need. And, you know, my husband and I joke, we raised our kids the opposite of how we were raised, but it's kind of true. (laughs) That's so beautiful because you're like, you're changing the ways of the future so that the generations to come don't mirror the generations of the past. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's very freeing and it's not, it's not a path for everyone. Um, you know, no contact for some people is what they need to do, but not everybody. And everybody, I respect everybody's choice. But for me, that was what we needed to do. Yeah. And it brings to mind also like the, like tending to the self from that like whole approach, because when you do have people in your life that kind of take away from your energy or bring you down or just like that whole misalignment in values and beliefs that energetic misalignment then manifests in other ways in in the the human experience you know oh my god yeah and and just when I was you know with certain family members I was walking on eggshells all the time I was like waiting for them to do something so I could like feel okay or waiting for them to blow up or you know act like a jerk or something and I'm like I'm free of all that now it's you know We can choose our experiences instead of waiting for other people to act like jerks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> After you made these choices and implemented, you know, all these boundaries, did you have any kind of adjustment period? Like, did you find yourself almost like waiting for something to happen in terms of like a trauma response? Um, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> my family is so dysfunctional that a couple of them actually stalked me. And it was bad, very, very bad for like 12 years. Um, Me and my family. Um, That's a whole book in and of itself. But so, so yeah, there were, it it was kind of like waiting for the next next nasty email or nasty text or waiting for them to post something crazy on my Facebook page in somebody else's name because they didn't have the courage to use their own name. Or so, yeah, it was, um, it was really kind of like a PTSD thing. Like, and then I, I realized the longer it went on that no matter what they did or tried, it didn't work. You know, they could not destroy me. They could not destroy my family or my kids. And there was nothing to fear. Um, I could continue to just be me and not think about them anymore. Like not wonder what they were gonna do or think or whatever. Cause it really didn't matter. Um, but yeah, there, there definitely, definitely was. Um, 
yeah, it's it's pretty pretty weird stuff. Family family stuff is very weird. Yeah, for sure. sure. And I ask because like I know um we're speaking about the boundaries in terms of family relationships right now, but that can be applied to so many different aspects of the life. You know, like it's not necessarily just family. And then in my own personal experience, I realized that when you do set these boundaries, there's kind of an adjustment period because you're on that like auto response of, okay, something's going to happen. So it's great to like point out and just recognize where that might live within the self if there is an adjustment period occurring so that you can, you know, heal that, transmute all those feelings and then move on with the life that you do desire for yourself. Yeah. And you also start to realize that the people that you are setting boundaries with, um, they don't feel good. And so then you start to notice other relationships and wow, are these patterns repeated in other places? And who do I want to hang out with? Who makes me feel good? Um, Who do I make feel good? You know, who can I have a genuine, honest relationship with? that we can talk about important things and we honor each other. So it really spills out into your whole life, which I think is super important. Yeah, absolutely. It, it continues to bring forward that idea of like you crafting the life that you want um, from a very intentional space, because we ultimately know what our desires are and what we, what is best for like us to be our best self in this world and honoring that and then making those decisions and changes to allow that space to occur. Yeah, big time. Big time. We, you feel like, I felt like I finally had, I finally felt empowered. Things weren't happening to me. Um, I was making the choices and I was, you know, making things happen and choosing who I expose my kids to and stuff too. Yeah. yeah. That can be challenging, like in the beginning steps, like the fear that can come up, you know, feeling ostracized, misunderstood, or being the potential of being alone. Like, how does, or for if you feel from speaking from personal experience or just advice, like, how can someone who's, um, you know, really resonating with what's being said right now, but is in that space of fear and taking the first few steps, what advice would you give someone like that? The first thing I would say is it doesn't happen overnight. And there's baby steps that you can take. So I've said to people, maybe um, instead of answering the text right away, wait an hour. You know, if you're answering right away, just wait an hour. And then once you do that, then wait two hours. You know, kind of try things out and see how they feel. Um, And realize that even if somebody comes back at you that you know the earth didn't stop spinning on its axis like people will get mad and then they deal with it or not but it's kind of like you're not going to go from seeing somebody every day to suddenly being like I don't want anything to do with you forever I mean you it's conceivable but most of the time it's a gradual kind of like okay um I'm sorry that I, you know, I'm not going to call you back right now. I'm doing something or to kind of test the waters a little bit um, and see how it goes. And often you know, with me, I, I thought, what was I afraid of all this time? Like literally, what was I afraid of? Because the things that did happen, some of them were really awful, but I survived. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm stronger for it. You know, and I think the more you set boundaries, the more 
people will show their true colors. Um, because if you are kind of serving them, doing everything they want, blah, 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 they don't really have to be uncomfortable and they don't have to step out of, you know, like they don't have to realize that other people exist. Um, so if I think you really start to see who people really are, like when I did that and I started to do it more and more, I realized how incredibly dysfunctional these people were and things that I already knew were just amplified. So I was like, wow, okay, this has been simmering for a long time, you know? Um, and I learned who really cared about me and who didn't, you know, cause you can think it's family. You're supposed to care. Well, no. And why would you be around people who don't really care about you anyway? You know? So I think that it's, it's challenging because it's painful. Um, for a lot of reasons, but I would much rather know the reality of things than have things be fake, you know? Um, and I just felt like even if I only have one other person in my life, like I have more than that, but even if I just had one person and it was a real quality, caring relationship, that's better than, you know, a zillion fake ones. So take baby steps and kind of feel things out. Yeah. And what when you were speaking, what um, came back to mind was what you said in the beginning of the episode, like the greatest gift you can give to somebody is allowing them to feel pain. And it's even for yourself, like the greatest gift you can give to yourself is, you know, feeling whatever it is that's coming through and then working through it yourself. Yeah. And I mean, a really good example is like an addiction or something like that, where it's kind of, you know, clearly enabling or just trying to make it so other people don't have pain because you may be picking up their pain and thinking it's yours. So it's also that separation of, hang on, I'm not that person. You know, I didn't cause it. I'm not that person. That's their stuff. And this is my stuff. Um, but it was only when I felt unbelievably uncomfortable and wanting to die that I took steps to address my addiction. And you know, the longer you do things for people and enable and make excuses for them, the less motivated they're going to be to get help. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings me to my next question. What do you value now that you once didn't? Mm, um, myself. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a big one. Um, myself, for sure. Um, my strength. Um, the people in my life who truly care. Um, I like my body a whole lot more. I used to think it was my enemy and I used to be very critical of it and think that there was something wrong or just, you know, focus on the one piece of cellulite on my body. I have more than that, but I'm just saying like, you know, you pick out something you're like, ah, and yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and that was, partly because of my crazy fitness activity, which is, you know, pole dance, um, which is, again, is challenging yourself and getting to your body and being more comfortable. Um, so definitely just my being, um, my personal time, you know, that the time I need to just kind of work things through. Um, creative time, which I don't quite get enough of. Um, yeah, I think... I mean, I think I always valued time with family 
but it's different now because I feel like I have a real family instead of just these fake relationships. Yeah. yeah. You know, so so that was a huge change too. Yeah. yeah. Taking back the term family and really what it's like, what it is, what it's meant to be. Yes, it is not just DNA. <laughs> Yeah, and it reminds me, Deandra and I recently were speaking about, like, these hollow relationships or, like, these hollow values that have been just placed upon us or, like, we're made to believe that they're real from when we're little. And it's, like, getting closer to the self, analyzing, like, okay, what is it that I actually do value? What, not that I'm told I should value or I'm I'm expected to, but what do I really value? So it's there's a lot of power when you sit with yourself and ask the self these questions. And also just like honesty and reality and acceptance. There wasn't a lot of that when I was growing up. It was, that's not true. What do you mean? You know, this is perfectly fine. Everything's everything's fine. Um, it's like, I knew damn well it wasn't fine. <laughs> and, and I knew there were things that like, my my parents who were supposed to take care of me should have been addressing and weren't, you know. But what are you going to do when you're little? So you uh, make adjustments as you get older and hopefully don't lose too much of yourself in the process. Yeah. And something else we always love to talk about is because we believe in practical tools and action steps that can actually be taken to enhance our journey and support us, um, especially during moments of confusion. So we call we call these like tools in our toolbox. Do you have any tools that you would care to share with us and our listeners? Absolutely. And as you know, my book is full of them. <laughs> so I think one of the most important ones is the tool that literally saved my life. And I taught you this during our, our reading. Um, but it's it's how to connect to intuition. And it's a pretty different way than a lot of people use. Um, it's a Jungian psychology technique. I didn't make it up, but it's writing, physically writing out to your intuition um, or God or whatever. It could be the tree, it could be whatever you want to, um, but physically writing out a question or feelings and direct it to your intuition. Um, and then just waiting to see what you hear and feel in response to what you wrote and just write that down, you know, right away. Um, and then write back to it and then see what you get and write that down and write back to it. And so you're having a written conversation with your intuition or with body parts or with emotions or things like that. Um, and you're writing down both sides. And so an example could be sometimes I just say, do you have anything to tell me right now? Is there anything that you want me to know? Um, sometimes often I will start writing because there's stuff in my head and I'm not maybe sure how clear it is or I just want clarification so I just start writing and, and ask for comments you know ask for support or whatever um and I will often ask a question like you know is this person good for me or should I do this opportunity or should I whatever like it's literally whatever you want and it could be five minutes or it could be 20 minutes totally up to you um what can get so the way that I describe intuition is that it's an all-knowing, loving force that accepts you unconditionally, loves you unconditionally. Um, it doesn't judge you. It knows everything about you. Like, it doesn't care what you look like or if you have makeup on or if you're wearing pajamas or it literally does not care. It just loves you, kind of like a dog or something, you know, which is a good way to think about it. 
Um, but for me, it was like, it was the start of learning to love myself and allowing something else to love me and then be able to get those loving messages because I didn't have them. And the more I aligned with my intuition, the more I felt like I had a team that was with me all the time and I was protected and the less important what other people were doing and saying was. It didn't really matter because I had this core, you know, strength now. Um, so there's things that can get in the way of connecting, like overthinking, um, you know, not not thinking that you're intuitive. You know, what if I what if I make a mistake? Um, why does this just sound like a voice in my head? Is this really from me? Is it from my intuition? You know, whatever. Why am I not getting more information? All that. Um, and really, it doesn't really matter where it's coming from or if you're doing it right. If it feels good to you then just pursue it. And, and at first, when you do it, you may not get a lot of information. That's okay. You may just get a few words, you know, see where it goes and, and keep trying. Um, when I started, I had no clue, like literally no clue what I was doing. It was just like, <laughs> okay, who am I even talking to here? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, it saved my life. Um, I still do it. That's how I, you know, connect to, there's other ways too, but that's the main way of connecting to like my guides and my intuition and stuff. So, and anyone can do it, anybody. Yes. And from like, you know, when I first began that the expectation, like letting go of any expectation is really helpful. And then also trusting, not thinking like, oh, I'm making this up or. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of those questions that can arise in terms of like where the information is coming from or if it's real that takes you further away from the intuition and that intuitive guidance. And a lot of people use that or use Oracle cards or some other things as kind of fortune telling devices. Like it, when is this going to, you know, when am I going to meet my soulmate or, or where should I move? Or when it's these, it's way too open-ended. And that I think personally sets people up for failure because it's more, in my mind, more designed for connection to the self and that inner wisdom um, rather than. So when you ask, like, when am I going to meet my soulmate or something like that, like you're really tuning away from intuition because you're asking like somebody else to tell you something. You know, it's like I always tell people like, yeah, my guides are wicked accurate, but I don't want you substituting your my intuition for yours. You know, I want to teach you how to develop yours. We can use my guides too, but, you know, that's not not my thing. Um, because people need to be strong and trust themselves, you know. Um, so, and it's the more you try, the more you figure it out. And, and often we think we can't trust our intuition, but maybe it's that the signals were there and we didn't listen to them, you know, um, or we, whatever, Um you know, like people in bad relationships are like, well, I obviously can't choose a good partner or I can't trust myself or whatever. And I always say, well, I don't know. You know, what are what are some signs that you saw early on? Or tell me about your early relationship. And there's so many um, that people are just afraid to see. You know, we're human. Yeah. Wow, well, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> So another question that we like to ask is, what does being feel and look like for you? Hmm. Wow, that's a good question. Um, I feel like 
that is always changing. Um, I like to be open to life and its possibilities and to feel like I'm strong and I can try things um, without fear of making mistakes or having them go haywire. Because um, when you're always scared, you're not being, you're hiding. Um, so I try to be open to possibilities. Not that, believe me, not that I don't have my control freak moments and set expectations and think that everything's supposed to go exactly the way I said it's supposed to, you know. Um, <laughs> but but being open to that too and realizing I'm doing it, being like, oh, I wonder you got let down. Duh. Um, you know, so it's it's listening to spirit, listening to myself, um, trying not to live in fear, um, being open to the relationships with great people, um, you know, responding to life as it comes, um, and trying to be as um, true to myself as I possibly can, and who we are changes, you know, so being open to things that maybe you didn't even know you liked and then you it's introduced to you and you're like oh wow I really like it so um being open to change yeah, yeah. I really like the responding to life part like I feel like because in that responding to life you're not controlling and you're not like doing exactly which is you know if you're if you come from a family where you had to control things it's it's definitely an adjustment and I'm definitely not perfect at it you know um but uh yeah you, we grow all the time yeah. yeah and Katie if there was one thing that you would love our listeners to take away from this conversation what would it be that you can love yourself that you literally that's the whole point of being here of loving yourself. It does not mean you're selfish. It doesn't mean you're conceited. It doesn't mean anything that you may have been taught it means that's negative, but really through self-love and self-acceptance, you can heal from anything, you can get through everything. Um, and that's what my guides told me when I was you know, in my recovery process and it's always stuck with me. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, so special. You are very welcome, my dears. <laughs> yes. And thank you for being here, present with us during this conversation. I've received so much. I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Oh, great. I love you guys. I'm very happy to do it. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. You're such a radiant light. Really appreciate you spending time. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> well, many blessings to you, Katie. And back to you. Thank you. Let's stay in touch. Yes. yes have a blessed rest of your day Thank oh you. one thing um if you we're gonna include it in the show notes but if you can just shout out where people can find you oh, yeah, yeah yeah for sure um so my website it's katiebeecher.com so it's k-a-t-i-e and then b-e-e-c-h-e-r.com and i'm on instagram and facebook and all the places um but you can get to it all through my website okay oh. and we'll be sure to link um your book information and everything in our show notes sounds great thank you of course. Take care, Katie. Take care. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you for listening. Continue flowing in your own space by simply being. 
If this resonated with you and you feel called, please be sure to follow us, like, and share. Until next time, wherever you go, give yourself space, space to, to flow. flow. <laughs> Peace, Peace out, family. family. <laughs>